Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H brighton.org. Well, good evening, church. Um, We're going to hop right in because we've got an exciting uh, piece of our service. Right at the very end, we're going to baptize one of our folks that's been journeying with our church from the very beginning. We get to baptize Josh Oswald today, so we're very excited about that piece. And he's still here. He hasn't left, which is wonderful. And uh, Josh, I know our, our other church family that was not able to gather here, watch online. And then for you guys, we'll be posting it on Facebook so you guys can watch that later. Um, but I really like this passage, right? Ephesians chapter four. Uh, we talked last week. This whole chapter is really about how you and I as the family operate. It's sort of our family uh, code. It's how we care for one another. It's how we're gifted. This whole chapter is about a family. And what I like about that is that it's unique to a church plant just like us. We're a young church. We're a new church. We've been a church for about two years. And what I like about this is it really helps us to define what's a family, And so last week, we laid down some sort of code for us to care, right? We talked about gentleness and patience and long-suffering and how do we bear with one another, keeping the unity together. So last week was sort of how we interact. This week is how we are blessed to be a blessing to others, how to be a blessing to others. And so if you've known me for a while, you know that I'm a big Marvel uh, movie fan. And so I do have a Marvel movie clip for you in a moment, a short clip. Uh, But there's this scene, guys, in Endgame, this movie in Marvel. By the way, if this is like a spoiler for you, it's on you. It's been like two years, guys, since the movie came out. So don't be like, ah, spoiler, it's on you. My role is like, it's after a year. And then once it kind of gets on streaming devices or whatever, and like my kids talk about it, it's on you if you miss it, right? So anyway, so at the very end of Endgame, you see this moment where it's just like Captain America against thousands of the bad guys. You guys remember that? And then all of a sudden he's like on your left. And then all of a sudden you watch this Avenger army assemble together. And so I want you to watch this clip in this really massive ultimate fight scene that's been really going on and building up for 10 years. Like my whole adolescence is built up to this one scene watching all the Marvel uh, clips. So let me see if you can watch this, if it works okay. Man, I love that scene. That's so good. So, you guys clap for that over the sermon. What? What are we doing here? We can't watch that. We got to go to the Bible tonight, guys. But there's something that evokes in you, right? You watch this one guy who is against this massive army, but then you see a bunch of people with different gifts and different talents and experiences all come together, and then you hear him with that voice, Avengers assemble. And you're like, yeah, you guys are clapping. My kids, you know, about to run laps down the aisle. Like there's a lot of excitement around that scene. And that's the imagery that Paul gives us sort of in this passage today. It's very similar to the idea. Listen, every Christian is needed in God's plan in his family to advance the gospel around the world and to care for each other around the church. 
And so you saw in here, guys, there was a bunch of people. There was Captain America, there's Thor, Iron Man, Wanda, Black Panther, Groot, all these names. And they have different powers, right? You've got a super uh, uh, shield for Captain America. You've got the hammer for Thor, right? You've got Black Panther. has got vibranium weapons. Hawkeye's a skilled marksman, Black Widow with her stealth and like her ninja uh, uh, martial arts. You've got Hulk, mega smart, mega strong. Just over and over, different gifts and abilities all used together. And we're, we're all assembled, if you will, I'll end the cheesy correlations now. But if we assemble together, there's something powerful that happens. There's a unity and a diversity that's in the family of God. We're unified together. We can assemble, but we can also have a huge impact because the diversity of our gifts. And that's what we see here, guys. The beautiful power of what God wants to do in us and then around us. That's why this passage, um, God tells us that he gives spiritual gifts. He gives spiritual gifts, just like you saw the different abilities of the superheroes. There's different abilities God has given to each of us. And you see it in verse 12, the purpose of it, right? To equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. So right now in this church, there are different abilities, different giftedness. There's different roles that you and I are trying to play. I am not the church. I'm not the director of the church. God himself is. And so he gives gifts to his family. And my job as your pastor is to help sort of assemble the different gifts. My job is to equip us and allow different leadership positions so that your gifts that God gave you can arise. And when that happens, unity better happens in our church. The diversity of gifts allows a beautiful, more beautiful picture of God to be displayed. So why am I not the only one that talks on a Sunday morning so that you can be built up by others' voices, by their care, by their prayers, by their scripture reading, by their testimonies? This church has not ever been built on me. It's built on Christ and then he builds us up with the gifts that he's given you. So right now you might not know that Christians have been given spiritual gifts or abilities to better unify the church, advance the gospel and care for one another. And that's what this passage really guys is all about. Now I want you to notice guys, there's a distinction between last week's passage and this week's passage. Did you notice it? Last week, the emphasis went from all of us and this week it's to each of us us, from all of us to each of us. Remember last week was we all have one Lord. We all have one faith. We all have one hope. He's really emphasizing the unity that we have in Christ. Well, this week he shifts it from unity to the diversity we have in Christ. This week goes from all of us to each of us. Paul's moving from the unity we have in Christ to the diversity we have in the body of Christ. Or each person, guys, in this room that's watching online, guys, we've been made uniquely and gifted specifically to build up this body of Christ. So God has you here for a particular reason if you're at City on a Hill. And what this text is telling us is that you are welcome, wanted, and needed in our body no matter what your gifting is, no matter what your ability is, we need all of the people. 
And if you look at some of those uh, superheroes, you might arguably wonder, what's the, what's the point of Groot? Was like what I wonder for a long time. But if you watched one of the movies, uh, Groot sort of, again, it's on you if you missed the movie. Uh, this was like a long time before, but in Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of Groot is like this, all he says is, I am Groot. And he just emphasizes I or am or Groot every time he says it. But he kind of like uh, put his protection arms because he's a tree around his friends and it kept him safe when they could have died. So it's like, what's the point of this guy? Now there's an event that happens and then you see the purpose. And the guys, that's what Paul is sort of telling us that each of us are gifted. So I don't want you to not like your gifting or your ability. There's a reason why you are here. And it's a beautiful picture of what God has done in the church. So like we see guys, like the Avengers, God has gifted his people with gifts for a purpose that's greater than ourselves. And that's the title of today's message if you're taking notes. Gifts for the purpose of being greater than our self. And the reason why God gave us these gifts is this simple. It's really simple. God gifted all of us in this room, if you're a Christian, to advance the gospel around the world and to care for each other around the church. That's why God has gifted you. That's why you have certain abilities, certain talents, even your natural talents under God's rule and benevolent reign are enhanced so that you can advance the gospel around the world and care for each other around the church. And that's what verse seven is all about. Look at it in your Bible, verse seven. He, Paul starts out and he says, but grace, but meaning transition from all of us to each of us, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So basically what Paul's saying is that God has all the gifts. He has all the types. He has all the abilities. And from that measure, he begins to give some over here and some over here and some over here, but God has all the gifts. Jesus is the head of the church, not Aaron, not other pastors. Jesus is the head of the church. And it's through him that he assigns gifts and talents, again, to unify the church and to advance the gospel. And so the Bible lists these gifts grace gifts or these gifts of the spirit in four different places in scripture. Have you noticed that? While reading the Bible, it's four different places he talks about these gifts of the spirit. So here are the four places if you want to jot these down. Ephesians chapter four, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. So there's a couple different verses in 1 Corinthians 12, but Ephesians four, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. And there's two pieces in 1 Corinthians where it talks about that. And although these gifts have been classified in different ways, guys, we can summarize them into three groups. And I like acronyms. I got my background is in education. So sometimes we've got lots of acronyms about what we have in our education, and then it just helps us to remember. So the acronym to help us with these three groups is this simple. It's just PAM, P-A-M. Maybe the office reference will be helpful for you. Think about giftedness is just PAM, P-A-M. And that stands for people gifts, ability gifts, and miraculous gifts. Again, there's lots of different ways for us to categorize them, but we can just sort of summarize them in these three groups, people gifts, abilities gifts, and miraculous gifts. And today, Paul gives us the people gifts. And so the people gifts are the gifts of an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a shepherd, a teacher. Elsewhere in scripture, we see that people gifts are exhorters, encouragers, discerner of spirits, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. These are people gifts and God gives these people to the church so that other people can be encouraged through them. Often these people gifts um, sort of are word gifts. They're either speaking gifts or leadership gifts and they're sort of gifts to equip other people to go and do work, if that makes sense. So these are sort of, they should be sort of like leaders of uh, the church or in different leadership settings. We have many of these gifts uh, in our church represented in this uh, people giftings. 
And so their job is to equip you for the work of ministry, which verse 12 tells us. Uh, But maybe you don't have a particular people gift, which we'll talk about in a little bit, maybe how we discern that. But there's ability gifts in the scriptures. And these are all about serving. So they might not be on stage or a vocal piece, but you might have the gift of administration. The Bible talks about lots of details or uh, planning. Uh, Giving is one of these. Leadership is one of these. Mercy and service or help is an ability gift. And so that must be what God has given you. And then the third category of PAM is this miraculous gifts. And these are the gifts that you see about the gifts of prophecy or healing, uh, miracles, faith, speaking in tongues or interpreting these tongues. These gifts are not necessarily in order from greater or to lesser, but this is what the Bible says. God has given all of these gifts to his church, again, to advance the gospel around the world and care for each other around the church. Some of these gifts overlap. You can have gifts from different categories. And yes, you can in fact have more than one gift and many of you do. And guys, this list in fact is not even meant to be comprehensive. There are many, many more spiritual gifts that God has given that not, aren't necessarily defined all in the scripture. One spiritual gift is just salvation. That's a gift of the spirit that you would believe and trust in Christ. So tonight is not necessarily a spiritual gift sermon, but I want you to see why God has given each of us these things. So guys, here's a summary about what the Bible teaches about these spiritual gifts. Again, look at verse seven and eight. This is a summary about these giftedness. Verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us. These gifts, again, gifts means grace. Grace literally means free gift. So you don't earn your gift. You don't sort of work on it to try to build something that's not there. It's just grace. It's, it's, it's Christmas time, right? You're just going to get a gift that hopefully is just free to you. Hopefully someone doesn't buy you a gift and say, great, you need to pay me back for the gift I just gave you. It's grace. It's free. And that's what God has done for us. So, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. Basically, he set them free. And then he gives gifts to mankind. God gives gifts to mankind. So what do we summarize from this? We see this, a couple things here, just bullet point real quick. Uh, God has given every Christian a spiritual gift or gifts. Every Christian in the room, online, each one of us. Every single one of you has been gifted by God. The question is not if you're gifted, it's if you're using your gift. Are you using whatever ability, talent, resource, intellect you have, to serve this church and to advance the gospel. The question is not if you're gifted, but are you using your gift? So each one of us has one. Uh, A spiritual gift is simply this. It's a supernatural ability that God gives to a Christian. Why does he do it again? To reflect something about his power or his character, to serve the church and to reach the world with the gospel. Uh, A spiritual gift, listen, may be consistent with your natural talents or it can counter your natural talents. It's interesting, sometimes you think that you have to be outgoing or you have to be uh, an extrovert in order to have like a speaking gift or a leadership gift. But guys, some of the most profound leaders and speakers that I know are pastors or leaders, guys are are like introverts that are quiet, that are soft-spoken, that are not the loudest one in the room. And so this might go either kind of congruent with your personality or it can sort of go against it and God just gives us gifts. And again, that's sometimes my favorite uh, type of gift when you see it, you're like, dude, I didn't even know that you could do that or had that in you. It's really cool when it kind of goes counter to your natural talents. 
Uh, Some of us, you might have maybe a speaking gift or a serving gift, and then you came to faith in Christ, and then God grew your affection to serve people more from that particular gift. Maybe you were empathetic beforehand, and then you came to faith in Christ, and then your empathy directed towards a specific type of person or people to pour your time and energy in. And some of you may have chosen a job because of your gifting, because of your heart. And God is the one who gave you that gifting or that heart. Uh, I want to highlight this also. Uh, A person who possesses a gift doesn't necessarily have to hold like a position at a church or a job. Uh, Leadership offices of the church are different than the gifts of the church. So you might have the gift of teaching, but you're not necessarily teaching every Sunday or every week. You might be a community group leader. And what you do with teaching is that you're teaching your friends and neighbors and you're teaching at sort of a DNA group or during a CG time, you're talking about over a meal or you're going on a walk with someone and you're teaching, you're um, unpacking the scriptures for them. So just because you have a gifting doesn't mean that there's a particular leadership office you must have. I also want to draw this distinction that a spiritual gift is not the same thing as the gift of the spirit. A spiritual gift is different than the gift of the spirit. And if you're a Christian, Ephesians tells us in chapter one, verse 13, that when you trust in Jesus, you are given the gift of God. You're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you commune with God and you can pray to him. You can speak to him. He speaks to you. He comforts you. He guides you. And that's different than a spiritual gift. You are gifted the spirit, but then he gives you gifts to lead you, to help you, to advance the gospel and care for others. I also want to highlight this, that spiritual gifts are not the same thing as the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are different. Uh, Spiritual fruit is what God produces in us when we grow in maturity, when we obey Christ and follow him. Uh, Spiritual gifts are what we give to service of others. So here's the distinction here. Uh, Spiritual fruit is more about God's character on display through us. That's the fruit. Spiritual gifts are more about God's actions on display through us. So again, fruit is God's character through you. Gifts is God's actions through you. Does that make sense? So sort of draw those distinctions. And according to verse eight, it is Jesus who distributes these gifts to our church, Cole Brighton. There's many of you, so many giftings that are in this church. Look again at verse eight. It says this, therefore it says, what's happening here? The author Paul is referencing Psalm 68. He's referencing the Bible. That's why in our church, we don't watch movies all the time, right? But we look at the scripture and that's what the author's doing. He's looking at Psalm 68. He's bringing up out of the Old Testament and he's teaching it. He says, therefore it says, when he, meaning Jesus, when Jesus ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to mankind. This thought though continues in verse nine and 10 with this Old Testament reference again to Psalm 68. It says this, And saying that he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? Verse 10. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now that's sort of like, what are we talking about here? Why is it in parentheses? Is he just sort of ranting about something else? In some sense, this is like Paul's holy rant. He sort of started in on a passage. He's like, therefore it says, and then Paul's just like, let me give you some commentary. He just kind of gets it for just a second. And he uses this imagery of descended and ascended. And what is the purpose of him doing that? It's a really beautiful imagery if you look at it. This imagery used here is really of, of a picture about how a king would often descend from his throne, go into battle for the sake of his people. 
And then if he won, he would ascend back to his throne where he would take the blessings or the prize of him winning the battle and he would bless his kingdom. Do you see what's happening here? What we're seeing here is that Jesus is the one who has descended from his throne of heaven to take on flesh right here on earth, that he descended to the depths of his death and burial for you. He did become victorious in that battle and he ascended from the grave. He ascended into the heavens where he's victorious. He's supreme and ruler of all. And then as king, what would Jesus do? He would bless us with the blessings that he won in battle. What are those blessings? The spiritual gifts of salvation and the spiritual gifts of service. Do you see how the passage works out? That's how he's talking about descending and ascending. And it was prophesied or foretold about Jesus in Psalm 68. I love how the Bible works together. I love it. It's such a clear picture that the Old Testament folks could read and look for this God who descends and ascends. It's all this picture of this King. And friends, that's what Christmas is about. That's why we're celebrating in our church through Christmas songs, through Advent reading, we're, we're, we're praising this God who has descended from his throne, descended into death, ascended from the grave, ascended into heaven. And because he's won the battle like a king would, he's blessing his kingdom. He's blessing his people with gifts. Man, this is a good king. This is a good king. So now we can look at the first group set of gifts that Paul tells us about. This is how that ascended king has blessed his church. Verse 11, it says, a list of them. And again, there's probably more than just this list in the Bible, but it gives us another acronym here, A-PEST. That's a great acronym for often leaders because sometimes we can be pests. If you know me, I'm either texting you or calling. Someone said, mm-hmm. Is someone amen to me over there? Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Is it Emily? <laughs> Emily. That's my wife, guys. It's my wife. That's fair. Love, that's fair. That's how it is. I know it. Uh, but you can remember that this, this leadership set of gifts is APEST, is another ac- acronym for them. A-P-E-S-T, apostle. Let's read it actually, verse 11. Let's read it. And God gave, here's the gifts. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. These are the gifts. What's the purpose? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, I want you to take a moment to highlight just for a second here, um, something we may not often do at our church, but I want you to see, this is awkward because like I'm one of your leaders and it kind of makes it a little weird, but I want you to see here, there's sort of a place of care and honor that Paul is sort of bringing up to this church that's having some conflict within. I imagine he's writing this because there's also some conflict, not just with Jews and Gentiles, but also what leadership looks like in a church. And so what Paul's saying for a minute is, hey, listen, I I know that leaders are imperfect. I am your pastor as of sitting on a hill, I'm a very imperfect person. Sometimes I don't care well, or I don't call well, or I don't minister well, or you don't feel like I'm listening to you, or I kind of brush past you, maybe in setup, or I haven't you know, followed up with an appointment that I should have with you that maybe I missed. I'm imperfect. And that's sort of what's happening here in this church. And what, what Paul's doing is saying, hey, although leaders are imperfect, they're, they're gifts. They're gifts. So for a moment, I want you to think about for a second someone who's maybe given you a word of encouragement or a word of teaching, who sort of pulled you aside to spend time with you, maybe one-on-one. And the first thing that comes to my mind are your community group leaders. They're not just people in our church. They're your, they're your gifts. They're your gifts. Now, 
I know our community group leaders. And if they're bad, it's probably because it's me and my training, right? They're great people. They're not perfect, but God calls them gifts that he gives to the church. So let me ask you, um, do you, do you care well for your community group leaders? Do you pray for your leaders in your group? Do you, do you know what they're going through? And here's a big one. Again, I'm not saying that all leaders are perfect and everything they say must be obeyed, but, but hear me out. If they're gifts, do you listen and learn from your CG leader? Like, do you ask their counsel or their wisdom? If you're making a decision about work or, or life or relationship, do you, do you want to kind of listen to what they have to say? Because they're, they're a gift. Now, for some of you, that might be triggering to hear. I'm not sure your church background, or if there was a leader or pastor that, is, that has hurt you. I'm not saying you just need to take the gift and be like, whatever, they're, they're God's you know, gift to creation. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that by any means. There could be a tremendous amount of hurt that comes from a pastor or a leader in a church. And this, this passage is not just saying, yep, let every sin happen and don't call out leaders. I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about a heart disposition to leaders in our church. And so in this moment, I kind of know it's kind of awkward, but if you're a community group leader for our church, would you just take a moment to stand up? I know it's kind of odd to be recognized and our people online can't see, but if you're a CG leader in our church, you mind just standing up for a moment? Stand up. Yep, stand up. Yep, absolutely. Yes. Yes, stay standing. Stay standing. Church, guys, we are a really small church online. We've got like maybe like 40 or 50 people in the room, but I want you to see who's sort of standing here, guys. Um, They're gifts to you. Literally, God said, I want to bless City on a Hill. And you know where he started? He gave people. He gave humans to bless you and to love you. So I'm not saying you're doing a bad job by this. Listen, I'm just preaching the text. I'm, I have no like, separate agenda, like buying Christmas presents. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But I'm just saying, do you recognize them as gifts to you? And if they're giving advice or rebuke, do you know they're doing it in love? If they call you out, they don't want to call you out. You know that? Like, I really want you to, if they have a hard word or a challenge, do you know that they're not like trying to like call you out for something? It grieves them. They pray about it. They weep over it. And they bring it to you in love because they're God's gifts and they feel that responsibility. Guys, we meet often to pray or to talk about our groups and they're bringing up how do we care next? How do we disciple next? What's the next step for this person to love and invest in them? What do they need? And they pray and they seek the scriptures for you. They're gifts. And clearly Brandon knew this would happen because he dressed up in a suit. You're looking good, buddy. You're looking good. Woo! I'm just kidding. He didn't know this was happening. But I want to say, guys, look around and thank God for the leaders that he's entrusted to you. You may sit. So we'll get to some other leaders that are in our church, but I just want to sort of highlight on that on the front end. We've got way more and I'll get to that. But I want you to see apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And what I want to take a moment is just do sort of a, a quick dive and a jump out for each of these giftings. Because I want you to see some of these people gifts that are in our church. And then maybe another series, we can kind of go through the rest of the gifts. But I want you to see these five. What's the gift of apostleship? Let's start there. The gift of an apostle. Now, many of us in this church actually, oddly enough, has this gift because we're a church plant. And often God says, if we're going to start a new work, we need a particular type of gifting. So here's what apostleship is. The spiritual gift of apostleship is sometimes confused with the office of an apostle, right? The position of it. The office of apostle was only held by a limited number of disciples chosen by Jesus, including the 12. And then they added Paul. The requirements for the office, which is different than the gifting, the office of an apostle means that you had to do this. You had to be a faithful eyewitness to Jesus' ministry and his resurrection. And then you had to be called by Jesus himself to be 
in this sort of gifting. The apostles were then given the authority by Jesus to do many different types of things to establish the church that was ever to be, right? The, the, the first ever global local church. They were also given the power to write the scripture and to perform miracles. So because of these requirements, guys, there are no more who hold the office of apostle, but the gift of apostle continues today. Those who have this gift do not have the authority to write scripture. So I'm not gonna write like the book of first opinions by Aaron and teach through it and say, this is the word of the Lord. And you say, thanks be to God. That's not how it works. That's why the office of apostle is closed, but the gifting of apostleship continues. So this gift, they don't have the authority to write the scripture as the original apostles do, but they do have this starter gifting, this creating something new from something that's not established. The mission of those who are gifted with this particular apostleship gift, uh, today they start new ministries. They help young church plants. They might've been on a church planting team. They go to where the gospel is not prominent and they reach cultures there. They like reaching people that are different than their ethnicity and their maybe language or their background. They wanna reach across cultures to establish the gospel where it's challenging. And not only that, but when they're in that area, they're always thinking about how do we raise up new leaders? How do we get more people? How do we raise them up and how do we train them? How, How do we start a new work? One person in our church that I know particularly has this gifting is Haley Wright. And I think Brandon Eitzen has this gifting in our church. I think there's many, many more of you, but these are two names that they're thinking, how do I go to a new area? How do I live my life there? How do I set up the gospel with people that are not like me? How do I raise up leaders and multiply? And then maybe do I go and start that work somewhere else? I think more than just those two in our church, but those are the gift of apostleship. And I want to tell you how rare some of these giftings are. For our church to even have just another person that has that gifting is miraculous. So guys, what that means for us is that we should start new ministries, new community groups, new churches. We should reach new people because we've been given these gifts. And so we, again, we praise God that he's given us these gifts. This person who often has these gifts of apostleship are kind of like leaders of leaders, ministers of ministers. They often have this entrepreneurial spirit about them. They take risks and they want to perform hard tasks in order for some greater goal. They're missionaries. They're often on church planting team. There might be certain Christian scholars or institutional leaders who do this. They sometimes can lead multiple types of ministry in churches or in uh, sort of scholarly like settings, like a, like a new school to train up pastors or missionaries. That's the gift of apostleship. And I think we have that gifting in our church. The second one we see here is this gift of prophet. What does the gift of prophet mean? The spiritual gift of prophecy is really an extraordinary and unique gift. Guys, so much so that Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 says that we are to pursue love and, check this out, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, he says. That's a lot, especially that you should prophesy. This gift is a blessing to the church and should not be quenched or despised according to 1 Thessalonians chapter five. Those who have the gift of prophecy, however, though, differ from Old Testament prophets, lowercase p, uppercase p, right? Uh, Uppercase p, Old Testament prophets spoke the authoritative word of God 
directly. And then we should, again, write it down as scriptures. Capital P, Old Testament, their words were recorded in scriptures as they proclaimed, thus says the Lord. Whereas messengers who have these gifts today, their prophecy should be tested according to 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In the New Testament, the apostles, again, not the prophets, took the role of writing scriptural proclamation from what the Old Testaments had given. So the Greek word for the a gift of prophecy is just really simple for us. Prophetia means the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and to deliver it to others in the church. These messages can take the form of exhortation or correction. It could be disclosure of secret sins in someone's life that they're trying to help move them out from that sin that's hurting them. It could absolutely be a possible prediction of some future event or harm that could happen in someone's life. Prophecy could also mean a word of comfort or inspiration or some other revelation that God wants to give you from his scripture. So guys, listen, again, they, someone who has this gift, they're not saying you should just, here's what I have to say, God has spoken to me because they know that they're also sinful and they sometimes might not hear the word of God correctly. And so a person with this gift, they know that God can use them to maybe to give a word to from the scripture to encourage someone or to lead someone or to guide someone. They feel like God is urging them to talk to somebody else in the church about something. But when they do it, they don't say, God said this and you need to go obey what I have to say. That's not what this person's heart would be. Their heart would be, I've been reading the Bible and since... God's word is God's word. I feel like he was encouraging my heart to tell you this passage or these words about something in your life. And because of the way this gifting is protected from 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Thessalonians 5, that you should, then that person should say, hey, would you go pray about that and maybe consider if that's God's word? Would you test this and see if it's accurate or right? That's what that person would do. And so I think that gift is very much still alive today. If, if you sense sometimes, if you sense that God is telling you to encourage someone or to pray for someone or go and speak a word to them or you feel like they're not in a good spot and you feel sort of this, this, this sort of inclination to go and speak to them, that could be God saying that you have this gifting to go and bring the Bible passage to their heart and help them apply it for their life. But again, how we do that is gracious it's slow. It's not saying, thus Aaron said the Lord. It's, hey, I've been thinking about you and I've been praying about you. I, and I was thinking about this scripture. And I want to share this with you. Does that make sense, guys? This gift is a powerful gift. It's unique. Paul tells that we should pursue it and earnestly desire it. But it comes with some parameters. Something always precious comes with parameters. Just like a child, right? We love children in our church, so we have good children care for them. We don't want them to walk out in the streets. They're precious so that we protect them. This gift is precious. We must protect it with wisdom, with prayer, with thoughts, with scripture. Does that make sense? And that's why I don't just stand up on a Sunday and say, this is what God has told me today. It's infallible. It's perfect. No, only God's word is, and we're imperfect. So how we do it must have parameters. That makes sense, guys? I think some of you absolutely have this um, gifting. I know for some of you have actually come up to me and say, I feel like, you know, God has spoken me this word to encourage you, or, you know, do you feel like this happened in your life or um, whatever the case may be? And you have said something that has been prophetic, not you foretold my future, but you foretold something to my heart that it needed. Guys, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal that you would be sensitive to the spirit enough that God would work through you to speak a word of encouragement or correction or something to someone else. Guys, if you have that gifting, use it. Use the gifting. Pray about what you want to say first. Make sure it accords with scripture and then use it. Does that make sense? There's a lot more we could say there, guys, but I'm just sort of giving a, a kind of a deep dive and then we'll come right back out. Uh, third gifting here is the gift of evangelism. 
uh, we've got uh, several people again in our church with this gifting. And that word evangelism simply means to go and share the good news. It means one who brings the good news. Now listen, all of us in this room, if you're a Christian, you have been called by God in the great commission to go and make disciples. So none of us are out of this gift. You gotta go and share the gospel. It's a command of Jesus himself to go and make his name and his good news, his story of his life, death, and resurrection to known to the world. But some are given an extra measure of faith and effectiveness in this particular area. Again, the word evangelist means one who brings good news. And you see this in Acts chapter 21, 2 Timothy chapter four. You see this on other places in scripture. Evangelists are clearly given the unique ability by the Holy Spirit to clearly and effectively communicate the gospel of Jesus to others. Guys, an evangelist, their hearts are burdened by the lost, by their non-Christian neighbors or friends, and they seek to share the truth with them, not to like convert them to some sort of moral story, but to bring them and introduce them to the saving God and their hearts are broken. They're not prideful. They're not yelling at people in the streets. They're not cussing people out. They're not being prideful. Their hearts are passionate, desirous of other people to know Jesus the way that they know Jesus. Evangelists are able to overcome the normal fear and rejection of people to engage with their non-believing friends about conversation with Jesus. Doesn't mean evangelist doesn't fear rejection, but there's some sort of nat- unnatural ability, supernatural ability to overcome their feel of rejection to go and make Christ known. Their gift allows them to communicate with all types of people, different backgrounds, and they receive a greater response when they share the gospel because of this particular way that they can share or enter into their story and talk about Jesus. So they're constantly trying to seek out new relationships with people. And they're asking God, who is it that you want to lead to you through me? And they see their giftedness as other-oriented. I want to invite others to know this Jesus. And guys, these are people that we have right here in our church. Some of you who moved from City on Hill, Brookline, have this heart. You want your friends and neighbors to know Jesus. Maybe you came to Christ recently and you feel this desire to share the gospel with your friends and neighbors. Maybe it's because God gifted you that spiritual gift when you came to faith in him. You're like, this transformed me. I want it to transform others. It's a powerful gift and a church like ours needs this giftedness. That doesn't excuse you, excuse you, Christian, for sharing the gospel. You must, but some of you are extra gifted. So the question is not if you have this gift, it's are you using this gift? Last two here, the gift of shepherd, the gift of shepherd. The spiritual gift of shepherd is one that carries many different responsibilities. This gift is closely related to the spiritual gifts of leadership and of teaching, but it really speaks about their heart the way in which they go about it. In the biblical context, shepherds have several different responsibilities to their sheep and ultimately to the owner of the sheep. A shepherd would look out for predators. They would protect their sheep from attackers. They care for wounded and sick sheep. They nurse them back to health. Shepherds would rescue lost sheep or when they were trapped, they spent enormous time with them guiding them in places of nourishment and rest. The result was a trust and relationship that that sheep kept with the shepherd. The sheep were attuned to the shepherd's voice because the voice was always close. It was always caring. It was always kind. It always led them in a way that was for their good. That's why you see many shepherds, even in our church, being in a position of a community group leader, both guys and girls with this heart, men and women with this heart, 
You see many of our shepherds, even in Koa kids, they want to shepherd and lead and guide and care for children. You see this heart position is towards others. Wherever you go, I'm there. Whatever is a hardship, you're there. Guys, if you know, if you spent much time with Brian Wu from our church, you very much see that he's got this shepherd-like heart. Not to say that others don't have this gift in our church, but you can see that if you spend time with Brian. Uh, we had a meeting the other night with a couple community group leaders and we were talking, discussing, and sort of uh, prayerfully building a plan of how we can care for different people in our church. And Brian was helping to lead out on that. And you could sort of feel this heart he had for others to be in the pain that they were in or to help them out of it, to be next to them. He has his heart. Is he perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. But you see this giftedness. Often you see this giftedness in pastors. Pastors are called to be shepherds because their calling and gifting are much like those who are supposed to care for sheep. They're called and gifted to care for the well-being of the church. And pastors, if they have this gift, they should be first and foremost servants of the church. By the way, if you transfer from our church or if you ever see me using my position to be domineering or being a dictator, I'm not doing what God has called me to do. My job is actually to be beneath you, to wash your feet, to serve you, to take your needs first and not mine. That's what a pastor should do. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Have I failed you? Absolutely. But a shepherd should be others oriented, leading with truth, guiding, being like around with the sheep. Last thing here is the gift of teaching, the gift of teaching. The spiritual gift of teaching is one that carries a heavy responsibility in the church, guys. Uh, James chapter three, verse one warns this. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that one who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's pretty intense, right? Like every believer, teachers are to be stewards of every word that comes from their mouth in the teaching time and in their normal life. That's a huge responsibility. They have a great responsibility to steward the word of God to the people of God. Teachers have to be entrusted with the task of effectively communicating with what the Bible has to say and not with what they have to say. All of this is rooted in them wanting others to know more and experience more of God. This person with the spiritual gift of teaching, they really like to study the word of God. They wanna handle it right. They wanna apply it right. They like to read it for extended periods of time. They wanna understand the Old Testament references. It consumes their mind. They have a hunger for it. And then you watch them. You don't have to give them position to teach. They just do it. They just do it. You know that you've been at someone's house, you know, in our church and they're at a dinner table and you're like, oh, here they go. They're doing their exposition right now on Romans chapter you know, nine or whatever the case may be. And we, we laugh at it, but it's a gift. It's a gift. They can't help it. And they're wanting to, to share or inform or teach. And I love this. We've got many people with this gift in our church, guys and girls. And the biggest thing I want to encourage to you at our church is we want to develop more teachers in our church. We want to be a word-based ministry, God's word to God's people. And so you'll see over the course of time, different people will teach different courses in our church. They're vetted, yes. They gotta be members, yes. They have to be trained, yes. But over the course of time, you'll see more people preach. You'll see more people teach. You'll see more people lead. But listen, if you have this gifting, you don't just need a platform to teach. Just people, just people. Jesus didn't own a synagogue and Jesus wasn't like you know, the, the rabbi of a particular congregation. He just taught in homes and he taught on the street and he taught everywhere. So be like Jesus also and teach but also our job as a church is to help give opportunities for teachers to use this gifting. 
Guys, so this is a big deal, right? Those are the five giftings from this. And we sort of wrap up with the why. Why are they given these gifts? Apest, A-P-E-S-T, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, are given the gifts for three reasons. And they're real brief here. Verse 12 through 14 tells you the three reasons. Number one, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Number two, building up of the body of Christ. Number three, to be protectors, because it says this, so that the church may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by waves, carried away by wind of doctrines or human cutting or craftiness. Guys, if you have these giftings, if you have these leadership giftings of our church, if you're a community group leader, if you're on church staff, if you're a coordinator, if you're a volunteer on our worship team or tech team, connections or kids, your job with that gifting is to equip the saints, equip them for ministry, train them, develop them, give them opportunities to lead. Then you're to build up the body with unity and maturity. That's what it says here in this passage, that we're giving these giftings to create unity and maturity in faith, maturity and knowledge and maturity and fullness of Christ. So these giftings are never really about you. It's about creating unity and maturity in someone else. Maturity of their faith, maturity of their knowledge, maturity of their fullness. And then last, we're to be protectors. That's why our church should be the safest place for someone that has been in incredibly vulnerable experiences. Abuse, neglect, hurt. Because our leaders in this church should be protectors for others. Protectors of false doctrine that can lead our beliefs away and therefore our behavior but we're, we're people that don't want people to be tossed to and fro by the waves. Have you ever seen you know, ch- a child in a wave pool or God forbid you've been on the beach and you watch as a kid get hit by waves, tossed to and fro? It's scary when you see that. And guys, the world tosses us back and forth with all these cultural things. And in the church, we should protect and care and guide so that they're not blown away or they're not tossed to and fro, that they're not tricked by human cunning or schemes. Guys, why are these gifts given? For three reasons, to equip, to build, and to protect. And guys, that's what this church is about. So again, if you're on our church staff, I ask that you stand up for a moment. These are some of your protectors. So if you're on church staff, would you please stand? Take a look around. Emily, Mandy, yeah, you guys too, if you're on church staff. If you draw a paycheck or you wanna wish you one day you could draw a paycheck from our church, you may stand, yes. Again, if you're a CG leader, would you stand up? Would you stand up? CG leaders again, if you stand up. Yep, you heard me. Yep, that's right. Yep, if you're a coordinator in our church, would you stand up? You're equipping people for the work of ministry. If you're a setup, tear down coordinator. If you would stand up. If you're a college coordinator, stand up. Yep. If you volunteer in our kids' ministry, would you stand up? If you volunteer for connections ministry, tech, worship, would you please stand up? Guys, these are some of these giftings that you see here. Their job is to equip you for ministry, for unity, for maturity. Everyone that stands on here and leads worship, Nick and I help try to vet. Not that they're perfect, but they're trying to help you mature in your faith, right? In your fullness of Christ. That's why it's so important. Whatever song Nick picks to sing, that we work together, that's filled with scripture. It's filled with truth. And Nick and I have had tons of conversations about words I teach or words that we sing because it's so vital because it builds you up. So if you're leading worship, if you're greeting someone at the door, if you're caring for kids, if you're running slides, all of this is to gain maturity for our church in faith and knowledge and strength. All of you guys, I'm not saying you all have all these people gifts, but this is what it's talking about. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. You guys are the ones that are building up our church. That's not like hating on you that are sitting, by the way. 
This is just a moment to honor and let you see what God has gifted our church. So look around at each other. It's kind of awkward. Like there's only like you know, 40 of us, right? But look around at each other. This is, this, is who, this is how God's building the church. It's not me. God is building the church, putting you in leadership opportunities and environments so that other people in this church could benefit. And guys, one day we want tons of our pews filled, tons of our rows filled at this church or Brighton High School because we've equipped you to do ministry so that other people can grow. Other people can be reached. That's what Paul's all about. We go from unity to the diversity of gifts and we need each and every one of you serving. Guys, go ahead and take a seat. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Miguel. So last two questions and we got to wrap this up and go baptize my boy, Josh. Two big questions. Number one, are you using your giftedness to advance the gospel and to care for others in our church? Let me ask you, are you using your giftedness? Even if you stood up, think about your giftedness, your abilities, your desires, your experiences. Are you using your giftedness to advance the gospel and serve others? If not, please hear me tell you, this is an invitation for your heart, your life, for God to say, for you to hear him say, I've gifted you these things. I want you to use them and experience me more as you use these gifts. Question number two, is the posture of your heart grateful for these leaders in our church? Do you listen, care, and pray for them like they do for you. Again, God is telling us in this passage that they are gifts, gifts. Not perfect, but gifts. So last thing, just a bullet point. Uh, if you wanna know like what your spiritual gifts are, it might be odd for you. So how do I even figure this out? There's just sort of four S's. There's lots of acronyms tonight and lots of different things, but four ways. Number one, study the scriptures, guys. Look at the scriptures. Look at what it says. This is actually what called me into ministry. I was reading the Bible, the book of Ephesians for the very first time in college. I just came to Christ a year earlier and I read Ephesians 4.12 that God gives the apostles, the pastors, uh, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. And I felt like my heart was gonna explode when I first read that. And I went to one of my pastor leaders and I'm like, dude, when I was reading this, I felt like I was arrested by someone or something telling me that I should be doing this. And so I finished up my college degree at the time. I thought I was gonna go be a high school teacher. Uh, and I'd still love to be a teacher in that way, but I thought I was supposed to go and do that. Went and talked to some teachers, went and talked to some counselors, went and talked to some pastors. I studied the scriptures. I sought God in prayer. I began to serve the church to see if this is even real. Do I even maybe have some of these giftings? And then I sought counsel and affirmation from church leaders and got assessed by people. And if I were to teach, I taught in really small groups with like two people and they critiqued a message or a sermon. I wanted to make sure that God was really calling me to do this. So I would just encourage you to the four steps, seek the scriptures, seek God in prayer, serve the church. And it's through that, that you find some of your spiritual giftings. Guys, I'll send out this week, there's about a 50 page document that I put together for you that have all the spiritual gifts, a description of all of them. And then a little bit of assessment that you can discern. But guys, this is, the spiritual gifts are not like a holy Enneagram where you like take a hundred questions. You're like, oh, I've got this gift today. Like that's not how it works. It happens in the, in the context of the scriptures, prayer in the church that you discover it. But sometimes an assessment can help you discern maybe some of the questions of if you have that gifting or not. But church, as we close, just like we did, guys, this is the call to like Avengers assemble, right? Guys, all of your giftings and your desires, we must come together to better serve this church and advance the gospel in our city. And we need each and every one of you to use your gifts so we can see the good and the glory of God made known in Boston. Amen? Okay, let's pray together.